0: okay welcome to this stop money anxiety now live podcast episode number 19 japan how to systematically serve yourself and your business Welcome back to another live broadcast of the Stop Money Anxiety Now podcast. I'm your host, Wei Hong from the Six Figure Academy. Now, this is the podcast where we give you real-world tips from around the world, apparently, strategies, and interviews with some amazing entrepreneurs on how to eliminate the destructive money habits and anxiety so that you can create a prosperous and abundant lifestyle and business free of financial stress and worry. If you are joining us live today, make sure you get on Spreaker.com or download the Spreaker app. Search for the Stop Money Anxiety Now show so that you can join us in the chat room and to ask questions and interact with us as and if we have a guest, our guest. But we don't have a guest today, so you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) While you're there, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and can catch us every week no matter where I am on the planet, apparently. For all other ways to find us, go to sixfigureacademy.com forward slash radio for all the details. So, (laughs) if you can see my setup here um, in my makeshift studio here in Japan, um, I'm actually sitting uh, by the closest access point to this amazing high-speed cable that I can now attach to my computer. Uh, normally I would like to have done this in a hotel, but I am have this um, kind of like this uh, makeshift cloth thing over my head so I can minimize the uh, the echo and the resonance That's that'll just kind of bounce off the walls to make sure I give you guys the best quality. It's kind of cool. But uh, so anyway, yeah, so here I am. I'm in Japan. And how cool is this is that I'm using the technology here. I'm so jealous because the technology here in my hotel with the broadband service that came with this. And so for those of you who follow me on Facebook, um, you'll see I posted a little measure. When I measured the speed of the internet here, it is like 10 times fast the fastest speed of my, uh, either my home or my office back in California. It's like 770 or 780 megs per second. So amazing. And then somebody, uh, one of my, con- my friends online basically said that, yeah, I heard that same thing about Japan, is that Japan tends to have really, really, really good internet. I guess that's good for me if I, you know, as I continue to come here and do things that I can always stay connected to all people all over the world. And quite frankly, I could probably do business from here just as well as I could do it from my home in California. Really amazing things. Uh, now, some of you may have noticed, for those of you who follow us and listen to us on a regular basis, that I am going solo today because uh, this week uh, my co host Jessica is actually in the middle of a training. Uh, it's called Master Practitioner for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and she's actually taking her, uh, this is like the day two of her training. So it was a little bit too challenging for her to kind of step away for that brief moment. So um, I basically said, go, you know, just go focus on what you need to do. I have plenty to talk about. See, uh, for those of you wondering, like, why I actually am uh, in Japan, okay, and it's a little bit of um, two things going on, you know, and it, it has been flowering into some of the most amazing experience uh, ever that I've ever had in Japan. The last time I was here in Japan was about, I mm, will say, 18 years ago. And um, I was here for a totally different reason, totally different business. And uh, after uh, I was done with that, I just, you know, didn't come back. You know, I learned a lot, you know, both about the language and about you know business and the, that particular business. And it just didn't make sense for me to come back. Since then, um, since then, I've met quite a few people, uh, some of who actually live here in Japan. And when the opportunity arose for me to uh, reach out and see because, you know, because I speak on different platforms and everything like that. Um, I had an opportunity to come to Japan and I wanted to make it a uh, both for pleasure and for business. And so I reached out to uh, my good friend Taka, Taka Endo, and he actually has a business here doing marketing. And when I reached out to him, I said, "Hey, uh, I might be going to Japan in July. Do you have a platform for me to speak on?" And he said. As a matter of fact, yes, depends on what day. And he told me. I said, yeah, that's perfect. I think, uh, I think that'll work. Um, and, you know, earlier, if you, you know, I spoke in, a, um, in my Facebook Live. I talked, I was in Yokohama about a, uh, several hours ago. And I did a live Facebook Live uh, broadcast about flexibility uh, aside from showing the, the landscape of Yokohama, I also was talking about the, the, the flexibility I had to go through to actually um, be able to, you know, really enjoy myself here in Japan. And, you know, in, in, in talking about the flexibility piece, when I was uh, making plans to come to Japan, I, um, I was uh, given an opportunity to actually to speak on two different stages. Okay? And it would have been on July 8th and July 9th. July 8th was a smaller group, which was the group I ended up speaking on this time. And July 9th was supposed to be a larger group, which um, involved a couple other speakers. And it was a um, going to be about 1,000 to 2,000 people on uh, as the audience. Um, at, after having purchased uh, my um, my airport ticket and making coordinating logistically the, the places I would stay and where I would go, um i heard that uh the second venue got canceled and rescheduled now at that point fortunately the other speakers that i had uh wanted to bring on um they didn't purchase their tickets yet and so they could it was easy for them to cancel for me though it was a little bit more challenging because i um i had already purchased my tickets i already made arrangements for hotel and everything and uh <laughs> it was just um it was a little bit challenging. I was like, uh, okay, so what's going to happen with that? Because, to be honest, I had no idea what uh, either venues were going to be like. So, you know, when that circumstance arises, the best thing to do would be to say, okay, well, at least there's a 1,000 or 2,000 people that I can talk to. I mean, how can I miss? It's like shooting fish in a barrel. <clears throat> well, <laughs> um, had I not been more flexible in terms of, okay, well, I'm just going to make do and make best with what, you know, what I've got. Um, could have actually impacted the entire experience altogether. And uh, I know I didn't mention it during the Facebook Live video, but I'm mentioning it now. Is like if it weren't for this new level of flexibility, I've had to learn to adopt, to systematically um, uh, adhere to as an entrepreneur in my business um, and for who I'm here to serve. Uh, I don't know if uh, the life that I'm currently in the process of designing could be as good as it is now. The kind of people that I've been able to come across so far in this in this uh, trip, I don't think the experience I've had with them could have been the way it is today, right? So, yeah. We just wanted to share that as a kind of like a warm-up to what we're getting into because, you know, to what we're really going to be talking about today is to how to systematically serve yourself and your business. Now, what is it that I mean by that? How to systematically serve yourself and your business? There's a lot of different layers to that, okay? I always talk about in your business, uh, you know, you have to serve, your, you know, you know, be in a state of service, right? And when it comes to money anxiety, um, money anxiety is an interesting thing is that it actually keeps you from serving at the greatest level because it blocks your, uh, your ability to see things in the right way. It blocks your ability to make best decisions for service. And, um, and so what we want to talk about today is how to systematically uh, serve yourself in your business, creating systems so that you can continue to operate at the highest level of service in your business or in your life. now some of you may ask how is the money anxiety world uh, over in Japan is it different is it the same and I have to say after doing my presentation getting some amazing feedback from some of the amazing people that that were there uh, money anxiety is an international challenge in other words, no matter what culture you're in where you are, as long as there is money involved, money anxiety exists, which excites me because it tells me that our business, my business, at the Six Figure Academy, where we work with people's money stories, money anxiety, and we help people, you know, uh, monetize their dreams and execute their genius. That it doesn't matter if it's in the U.S. or in Japan. Or any other English-speaking uh, country in the world, and I suspect in my own uh, parents' country, Taiwan. I mean Chinese. I mean I think it's it's going to be it's going to be relevant everywhere. So part of my reason for coming to Japan is to kind of explore and see what possibilities are available for what it is that we do uh, at the Six Figure Academy in the United States. Very exciting. So what did I find out? I found out that in telling about I did my presentation around bad money stories and it hit a few chords with a lot of people and it got them thinking you know now it was it was kind of cool the difference is like in you know in other instances in the u s when I was uh, doing this talk about reengineering bad money stories I would always typically get uh, a response along the lines of you know um, Anywhere from ahas, deep thought, and and more often than not, I would get emotional response in terms of people really kind of like, oh my God, this is hitting home so hard, and oftentimes there would be tears would be shed. Um, now granted, the group wasn't as large as um, as I normally would talk to, but they were powerful. I mean, the, the numbers that they were putting up from exercises that uh, my buddy Taka had assigned to them from the last meeting to this meeting were staggering. It was amazing. And so um, they were – it was like a hybrid niche group of entrepreneurs, of people wanting to become entrepreneurs, and they were able to, already able to produce some some good revenue. And yet we found that you know bad money stories have been keeping some of these people from actually making a decision – for themselves or their business so um, so anyway in terms of relevancy it's it, it's it's been really exciting because from there I was able to meet some really amazing people um, who are entrepreneurs and um, to kind of get an you know inside track and as a result I was also then introduced to more people um, on top of the other meetings I had scheduled to to meet I got a chance to meet um, uh, at the last minute uh one of my um friends and previous clients uh Jane Tabachnik, actually uh introduced me to um to a a very cool individual his name is Kamanzi okay and i got a chance to catch up with Kamanzi and Kamanzi is uh has an amazing story he uh Kamanzi Constable if you get a chance look him up uh, I'll uh, I'll put a link there so that you can see the i actually met or you could just go to my website because uh my personal website um my personal uh facebook because um we have a picture i have a picture of him and i taking a uh midday uh sake shot (laughs) because um well it's just interesting and then uh um, I think uh, we'll probably end up having Kimanzi on our show as well because uh, he's got such an amazing story. And he's got an amazing money story, too, uh, that I would love to share with you guys, my audience. Um, and then, um, you know, there were all kinds of different uh, people. There's a, an individual out there named, named uh, Maki Fujimura. Who was who is a uh, a jazz singer who went to Stanford for law, decided not to do law, and then uh, became a jazz singer, which is amazing. Has her own CD out, her own album, and she has a music school. So it's really cool. I mean, the kind of individuals that I have met so far has have been have been amazing. We also have this atomic engineer who was had. We got into a really deep discussion on. Um, his money story and what his belief systems were thats keep, that's been keeping him from taking that big leap to be an entrepreneur, doing little things here and there as opposed to just really kind of having a full-fledged business. So I, uh, I've really been in a state of just kind of observing what is the entrepreneurial world going like here. And what I found is that it is an emerging market, okay? It is a market that really is... Um, needing a lot of support because you know we're kind of spoiled in the U.S. I find is that the U.S. is just thriving and there's so many opportunities and so many benefits of becoming an entrepreneur. The the government literally cultivates and gives uh, uh, entrepreneurs a way to succeed no matter what you know. And there's that level of freedom. Over here there's a aside from, you know, the economic challenges that some people are dealing with here, you know, I mean, I found out like the average salary income here in the in Japan right now, especially in Tokyo is like 40,000 a year. And the cost of living here, I mean to be honest, to live like you want to live in LA is it's it's pretty much the same as LA so if you think about it for those of you who are in California. Um or any major metropolitan in the United States, okay? Think about the the cost of living where you are right now and imagine if your average household income is about $40 to $60,000 a year and that's it. Okay? Now, you know, if you want to com- think about things like like Tokyo is very much very similar if you go to the subway stations and you go in and out to like Shibuya, Shinjuku and everything. You'll notice like a lot of those places are very similar to how New York is set up, you know, and the cost of living is, is, is really high actually. Um, they say if you want to um, buy a, or buy an apartment or, or something or condo-ish type of apartment, but it's really small, like um, make maybe a thousand square feet. Something like It'll cost you a million dollars, U.S. dollars, not yen, a million dollars. It's really quite staggering. So to do business here, to be an entrepreneur, is really quite a scary endeavor because all of a sudden you're taking this um, the salary that you're potentially on or these jobs that you're on. You know, from what I understand, you know, kids these days they have multiple jobs just to see if, just to pay rent or on some level. It, it's the money piece. Anxiety is is is, is huge and it's high and. Um, you know you grow up in a culture where they ingrain in you that the way to be successful is through becoming a what they call a salary man uh, and for women it's called something else it's called something else completely different I just don't know what it is off the top of my head right now I was told once and then I have unfortunately forgotten what that is but anyway uh, <laughs> so so let's think about that for just a moment okay so we have all these challenges but despite that, I think what my vision is, what I see is the reason why some of the challenges exist now is because this old, old, um, old age thinking of how to how one's career should be in Japan um, is probably uh, can be deemed almost archaic now. And this emerging market of entrepreneurs, they're starting to realize that they can blow the roof off, the limits to what they can create in terms of financial success and wealth in their life by simply becoming entrepreneurs. I mean, how could they not? They go online. They see the other you know, some of the digital Internet marketers from, from all over the world creating massive amounts of success, sharing that type of success. And how could you not say, "Well, how do we do that?" And so I saw a lot of that I've met i've met I've been meeting a lot of entrepreneurs who are starting to expand and embrace that. but the problem is when we do this and we go to that point, you know how do we capitalize on what we know that 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 we that's been done so well? I mean, you know there are some really amazing businesses here in Japan already how do we how does one as a um, emerging entrepreneur or starting budding entrepreneur, apply what you t- see around you. How do we extract the good stuff that's happening in Japan, so that you can become as successful as possible? And then, how do we, the rest of the world, uh, learn from learn from the Japanese in terms of you know um, the systems? Okay, so this is where we get to the topic of what I want to talk about today. Because there's something that inspired this this topic was when I was I actually went on a hato tour. They called it the yellow tour buses, and uh, I got a chance to tour around Tokyo for the very first time ever. Even though I've been here before, to learn about the Imperial Palace, to learn about Asakusa, which was like this te- big, huge temple uh, prefecture. And um, got to visit the the brand new. Well, it's five years old, but it's five year anniversary, so it was new to me. Uh, Sky Tree, which is this really tall um, uh, television signal tower that houses this observatory in it. It's got layers and layers and floors of shopping and restaurants, and they've got this amazing elevator that. Um, Shoots to the top at 600 kilometers per hour, which is around 356 miles per hour. An elevator that travels at 356 miles per hour from the bottom floor all the way up to the observatory, which is like 500 meters above the ground, I, I believe. And, you know, you would think that if it's something going that fast, it's probably pretty jarring. Well from what I understand the company uh, I think Toshiba that created or d- created that technology I mean you have to you have to sit into experience it and they actually have to show a, a a TV monitor that's showing how fast you're going where you're going because you don't feel a thing you step into the elevator they start's going up and you're wondering what's going on the only thing that you could probably tell physically as that you're actually going somewhere is the pop, the popping in your ears as you're changing altitude. But other than that, physically, you th- you can kind of tell that the the elevator's moving, but you don't feel that that it's going 356 miles per hour or you know 600 kilometers per 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 hour. It's, it was fascinating. But anyway, so all day long I was watching this 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 tour. Uh, um, how they approached the tour, what they were doing, and everything was very systematic and systematic. And I suspect that the reason why this tour is so, this tour company is so popular, is because they do everything the same way every single time. Doesn't matter who the tour guide is, doesn't matter who the driver is. There, it, there was a way from the moment that I arrived um, to get on the bus, how they handled the fact that I got there at a certain time. And then I, um, so I got there at a certain time. And then they gave me this little slip, told me where I needed to sit. And I I was, I had assigned seating on the bus. And when they started on on the bus, they kept looking at the time. They, get, they got their things together. But what really, what really kind of hit home with me was the moment, it was something really simple and something really small. So when we arrived at the, uh, the Sky Tree, it was the second time we hit a different location. So, the first location we got there, we parked, gave us times of when we were supposed to go out, and uh, gave times of when we were supposed to come back to the bus before the bus left. And we were very clear about you, we have to leave at this time if we want to make sure we stay on time with the tour. Naturally, of course, you know that people uh, don't always pay attention to the time. Because, you know, you've got these tours with these people from all over the country, or all over the planet, uh, with all different kinds of, um, uh, uh, I don't know, what's the word, adherence to time, or what we call timelines. There's some people who have timelines, they're in time, and they're through time, and this is really not the venue for me to talk about, but just just realize that some people are not always on time. And um, so... When we went to the Sky Tree, uh, she had this. The tour guide had this sign that said we needed to be back at six twenty, and the bus needs to leave at six twenty because we they couldn't. St- it was like, it was like a revolving door of tour buses at the Sky Tree, and um, so they couldn't stay there for a certain, for any length of time. Um, <clears throat> and he said, unfortunately, if you don't show up, you know. We're going to have to leave, and you're going to have to find your way back home. <laughs> um, I said, oh, okay, great. But what, what really hit me about this whole system thing that's inspired today's topic was when uh, the tour guide showed us the, 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 um, the sign that said 620 was the time we needed to come back. She held it nice and high. And then the door opened, and there was a parking attendant, And then all she did was she turned and showed the clock or the time to the parking attendant. And the parking attendant acknowledged, wrote down something on her paper, and directed. And they just, it was like a machine. Like, they've done this so many times so that they knew exactly what to show different people and all these different other businesses without having to explain why she was turning around and showing this clock. And it was at that moment that I looked at it and said, you know, there are there are some amazing gemstones hidden in Japan's business current business structure that entrepreneurs need to pay attention to because it's those little gemstones that are going to allow entrepreneurs especially the ones emerging in Japan to systematically grow the problem with being in a salary and just having a job in a company, oftentimes you don't notice everything else that's going around you because you're focusing on just your job. But when you take this bird-eye view of how business is being run and how Japan has been able to create some extremely globally successful businesses in a variety of different industries, you'll find that you know everything that this country needs to nurture and cultivate successful entrepreneurs are all right here how then do we map across and to identify those gemstones well first of all you just start need to paying attention right you got you know kind of like what i've been doing is it's like watching not only just experiencing the the the, the business to, the tour business but also to pay attention to how they're doing things and be willing to ask questions like how did how did you guys how do you guys know to do it this way you know how did you guys develop this system and this process now granted i was just you know on the tour so i didn't get a chance to ask that but i'm saying if you're an entrepreneur and you observe something amazing and cool about another business and you want to learn how and why they were able to develop that system so that it would you know help leverage and and create efficiency in their business then you just ask you just got to ask you know the reason why i wanted to have kamanzi Uh, on our show because you know having lunch with him I had a chance to kind of learn more about what he's done and um, you know one of the biggest things that created success in his world as an entrepreneur was the fact that he simply started asking for what he wanted and when he asked over and over again he eventually got over and over again what he wanted so how do you systematically serve yourself in your business? By first of all, not trying to reinvent the wheel. There have been hundreds of years of entrepreneurship ahead in front of you that the principles will still apply to your business no matter what niche your business is in. So going back to my story, so I was looking at the whole thing, and then, you know, they parked, and then basically she said to the group inside, okay, stay seated until i come back and let you guys know for safety reasons, of course, because if the bus is moving and people are getting up, standing up and moving around, someone could fall. So the tour guide, every time we went to stop somewhere, she would get out, and she would uh, direct and communicate directly with the bus driver on the parking circumstance, and it was like, you know specific commands, specific approach, and again, this was part of a system, and just do that over and over again. She would give instructions to the driver, give instructions, and you know, and then connect with the parking attendant to just to make sure that everything was correct, and then she would um, pull out um, this little flag so that you knew what your bus number was. And I still remember it. It was so in your face. I just kept seeing it over and over again. The number eight, nine, one. I still remember it. Now. <laughs> this is a few days ago. Um, but that's how good it was. That's how systematically good this business is. They've got a system down. And that's the thing is that if you don't have a system down like that, where you have things that happen over and over again in your business, if you don't, approach it with the fact that you have to create a system around it, then your business will never have an opportunity to grow. If you're not creating a system for your business, then you are in essence stunting the growth of your business and really depriving yourself the opportunity for your business to grow. Yeah. So, you know, it's that one little thing and in, and then you know it's something that they were doing all day long, but it wasn't until like the last stop at the sky tree that I really said I took notice of that. I was like, hey, there's a little bit of consistency going on in what she's doing every single time we get to a location. And so I thought, but every business has that. Every good, solid, reliable business that has consistent income, consistent results, has that. You know. Even when, even on this this podcast show, I have a very consistent sequence that I do every single time. That way, it makes it easy for me to um, do it from anywhere in the anywhere in the world. About fifteen minutes to half an hour before every episode, we do sound check, we do sound test, we make sure that you know everything is working. Now, uh, granted, this time around, what I did was I actually tested before going to bed just so that i didn't have to uh just in case i didn't wake up in time (laughs) but i did i woke up uh, with plenty of time and test to see every single time how the technology is working if it's working well you know i can see right now that the um the audio levels are good and then um we have a systematic way of posting every single week and promoting the show we have a systematic way of um of describing the show and even the sequence after we're done is consistent now there are ways to always make it better okay so just because you have a system down and it's working and it's you know creating this your business will still grow the podcast will still grow things will still happen technology will improve technology will fail <laughs> as you guys know from episode two which i still remember but <clears throat> there's all these different things that could happen but it's a constant evolving process so to systematically serve yourself and your business, you have to pay attention on to creating systems. Creating systems around things that happen on a regular basis. If you ever want to retire from the daily grind of your business or things that you just don't find yourself enjoying in life, for example, like me doing laundry and Washing dishes and everything. Now, granted, I can do it. I'm not bad at washing dishes. I'm not bad at washing my clothes. And quite frankly, sometimes I find it really relaxing and meditative to wash dishes. But is it something that I want to have to do all the time um, because I'd rather be doing something else? Like, i almost rather be watching anime or watching TV or working on my business than taking 30 minutes out to wash the dishes or an hour, an hour and a half out to do laundry. Yeah, probably not. So I've created a systematic way of serving myself and my life and ultimately what I'm here to do for the people that I'm here to serve by eliminating that piece, by creating a system around it so that I don't have to think about it. When we talk about creating wealth and investing in your future and everything like that, it for most people, it's really challenging to remind yourself every single month to put money away. Okay, and this is the part that feeds into money anxiety. It says what makes us think that everybody should know how to save money, everybody should know how to invest money, everybody should know how to put money away, and so that you know, and so that, to have that discipline that's a tall order to, to have everybody it. And that's why it's such a problem for people to say, I mean, people have made, have made money teaching people on how to budget and how to save money and everything like that. Not realizing that sometimes it just doesn't work for people. So then what do we do? What do we do to create that? So that's why I, The Automatic Millionaire um, is such a cool book that I highly recommend to people. Uh, I forgot who the author is. I think it's like David Bach or something like that. But I'm going to, I'll put a link. I'll put a link on that in the comments as well. Um, And what that that book talks about is, you know, the automatic millionaire is about really for people who, you know, really have a hard time creating systems around uh, creating success in their lives. And what it is is that, you know, you create a system of automatically putting money away, putting money into a savings account, putting money into an investment account, okay, so that automatically takes care of things. So historically... I was uh, I've been, I used to be notoriously bad notoriously bad for paying bills. and it wasn't until I finally embraced doing because <laughs> embrace auto pay, okay so that automatically things would get paid that uh, that things really need, started to turn around. Now one might ask oh, well way, you're a tech guy. you already knew they have this this service for a long time. Why wouldn't you or you know have done that a long time ago? Uh, i don 't know, maybe because when I grew up, okay, and this is all coming from the whole money story thing that every time I saw what I thought were bills being paid they 're all being handled manually. My dad would take the time because my dad likes to actually kind of go through that so he can control what happens, you know the you know writing the check, um doing this and that now, I suspect now that he 's doing auto pay too, but i 'm not sure. But somewhere along the line, I decided that a truth in my life would be, oh, in order to truly be responsible, you need to manually hand, handle everything from a financial standpoint. So I remember seeing the piles and piles of different things and different checks and different bills that had to be taken care of in my dad's room, on his desk in his room. And seeing my dad do that and, you know, absconding away for, you know, hours at a time every single month just to handle and take care of all the financials and stuff like that. I wasn't allowed, per se, to ask any questions about it, but it just, I just saw that. And I carried that with me so that um, that was my system. But that system didn't work for me. And it wasn't until I – and this is what we're talking about, evolving systems. If that system doesn't work for me, it doesn't get the results that I want – it's not serving myself or my business, then I have to upgrade it or I have to optimize it, right? And I suspect that you know, like just like the touring company, that they went through a couple of iterations and approaches of different types of systems to make it the most efficient way possible. To the point where all they had to do was just take the same sign they just showed us, turn towards, and show the exact same sign to the parking attendant, and without having to ask, the parking attendant goes, "Okay, great, thank you." You know. someone from looking for outside in they they if they looked at that or looked at that that sequence they would say what just happened how does she know what to write down on her um on her on her clipboard that she had with her and it was because they have this system down which probably then saved i don't know a few minutes here and there a few seconds here and there and this is what i love about the times that i've worked in japanese companies and worked on the back end in terms of operational stuff, learning about how they do things. They are such a big fan, especially on the corporate level, of systems that, you know, when I was working the restaurant business with them for the Gyukaku concepts, they broke down um, food costs and um, food waste and everything to a system like the spreadsheet that, that the, the, the general manager would update on a regular basis. To measure down to the penny, down to the penny, the, the cost of each beer pour, how much waste was anticipated, and they would actually measure it at the end of every month, so you would know exactly down to a penny how much was wasted, how much was actually used for customers, and what our profits were. Now, for someone to think about this every single time, you know, measuring the the, the, the um, draft pour down to a penny, that might be a huge undertaking. But not if you have a system built in place so that if when you came and you started working at the <clears throat> at the restaurant, you just had to open up the spreadsheet, learn the spreadsheet, learn the system, and then you would be able to do it just like everybody else in Japan. Okay, this is the power of creating systems in your business so that you could develop, you could scale, you can grow, and quite frankly, you can you can basically systematically extract yourself in the business to become the true entrepreneur, just the owner of the business, the one that, in, that visionaries take and just call the shots and make sure it happens and only come in really when things need to be spruced up or upgraded systems will allow you to then leverage the power of technology and other people so if you want to create more jobs on this planet create more systems in your business so you can do that and that's how you serve at a higher level okay so that's what that's all that's what that's what it's all about and what better place for me to kind of Really tap onto this, this topic and the subject than Japan, which is, you know, which is they're, they're famous for their systems and their uh, assembly lines and how they do things so efficiently, you know. And it's not because they're, you know, I used to, <laughs> I remember uh, Weird Al Yankovic when we were, um, when I was growing up, he did a, a, a parody off of Michael Jackson's songs, Beat It. And I think it was uh, just Eat It. And then somebody that I knew uh, from Weird Al Yankovic's uh, inspiration, as an inspiration, did just read it. And one of the phrases um, that they rewrote the lyrics on, it says, oh, don't you know that kids are smarter in Japan? Just read it. And, you know, I, uh, I thought maybe, you know, the culture was just, you know... Um, You know, they they just had a natural propensity to be smarter, and because they're Asian. But I realized a lot of it was a stereotype. Because when I finally came to work here in Japan, I realized that, you know, the humans here are no smarter or no less smarter than than other humans around the planet. They just have ingrained in their culture a very systematic way of creating results, and it was very efficient on some levels. And some levels it wasn't, just depending on. <clears throat> the type of upbringing you had, but they were really all about systems. Everything was following a specific um, sequence, almost to a fault. Okay, but that's how good it is. So that's something that we, you know, you know, we if we want to really kind of look at, just take a look at how um, Japanese companies do almost every little thing in their business. So if you have. Um, have been have challenges why you want to pay attention is if you have challenges in your business trying to figure out oh well how do i start to grow my business better or how do i how do i stop burning out or how do i you you know spend less time in business but have my business continue to you know make me the money that i want to make or create success or do all this you start to create systems Okay. And if you think you have systems already and you're still working too much more than you want to, okay, so that's the key thing. Some people like to work a lot, you know, like Elon Musk. I like, I heard he doesn't mind working 16 to 18 hours a day every single day. That's just his gig. That's what he wants to do in his lifetime. Then great. It's great to have people like him in life. But if that's not you, then don't try to force yourself to be that way. Right. So if you're not, if there are things in your business that you find yourself kind of like, not being excited about doing, okay, most likely that means that you, there's a system that needs to be created around that, so, so yeah, I mean, that is, that's essence what I, what I wanted to talk about, you know, I don't think I really need to spend a full entire, uh, hour of this show because after all this is a special edition straight from japan and i suspect as i do more traveling and speaking in the future and i find myself doing it around the time we're supposed to be doing our live podcast that um you know you know there'll be probably be opportunities for me to just have guests pipe in from anywhere because it's it's possible and i could probably figure out a better uh way to instead of sitting here under a cloth yutaka which is like a very thin, I don't know, how does one describe this thing if you put it on? It looks kind of like a mix, uh, 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 in between a bathrobe and a kimono. (laughs) Anyways, so this Yutaka thing is draped over my head, over my computer, so that I don't create too much uh, echo while I am uh, doing this, so it's like a makeshift studio. Hopefully it sounds alright. I guess I'll know I'll know when I uh, when I actually hear the playback on this. Um, but yeah, if any of you have any questions and you guys are here live, remember you can continue. You can chat with me in the chat box if you're on Spreaker.com or if you have the app, the Spreaker app s p r e a k e r. You can chat with me uh, and ask any questions about this whole system thing. But I think it's just a very important thing, and um, that's why I decided to make today's show. Uh, live from Japan, and about the systems that I've been seeing here. Now, um, since I hadn't been here for uh, eighteen years, I got a chance to go to Tokyo Station. I got a chance to eat amazing food, and um, you know, I also got a chance to see a couple of businesses that were not probably the best example of of successful systems. And, you know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of sad to be to have to point this out, but, like, um, there was one evening uh, I, I went out um, and um, decided to choose to go eat at this izakaya. that, um, you know, should have paid attention to the fact that we walked in, there was nobody there. We went in anyway thinking, okay, cool, there's not a lot of people, which means that there was, we could actually have some um, good conversation here's a here's a lesson for you for those of you who want to come to Japan and you know eat and everything like that and if you want to go out to eat you know gravitate towards places that are actually busy even though you may not necessarily like it because there's so many people around and because they're seriously busy for a reason you know the the thing about japan is like it's it's a, there's a it's a big food culture it's a big foodie culture, and so um with so many options out there you and with so many people. Okay, you can actually um, um, decide where do you want to eat based on how many people are actually there. So I walked in; there was like one other customer there, and this is a pretty huge, pretty big place. Um, and um, the system that they had going on, a lot of it wasn't working. They actually had a comment card in there that had been filled out. It was sitting at uh, the table that we were at, um, and it was filled out for since May 21st I don't even know if it was this year hopefully it was this year May 21st and here it is in July and that comment card was still on the table and so I had to ask um, uh, one of the you know I had to ask uh, the people I was having um, uh, a meal there with I was like what does this say and they they, they practically choked on their food because it wasn't a very good comment <laughs> But um, so that's an example. There's something that's probably amiss in terms of their systems, like things like how do you not notice or how do you not refresh the common cards? Or maybe business is so not doing well that they don't have. So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing about systems is that, you know, one of the first things that people will let go when, you know, when business isn't going as well or something like that is, you know, adherence to systems for consistency, and yet, at the same time, those are the most important things that you want to stay consistent with in spite of how your business is doing. Okay. Energetically, mentally, emotionally, physically, on all fronts, you know, if you start to let your system slide, then it's a slippery slope of you getting back when, you know, when there's like a mild little hiccup in your business. Okay. Now, I know there's a lot of different things and different layers in that, but you know i could probably have a whole separate episode on that but um but yeah so so yeah so this is this is japan this is um the systems here this is how the emerging market is and you know one of my bigger vision is and i i, I have to share it on here is that you know, in talking to different these different people, these different entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm talking to my buddy Taka. We started talking about ideas of bringing more seminar seminar type trainings and creating more events here. Um, you know, potentially I'm, I'm going to be coming back in the fall, um, connected with a couple of other uh, individuals out here who live in Japan and have business in Japan, and, and aligning with them so that we can do some synergistic things together that, you know, it, it got me thinking as to, you know, what is it? Because eventually we got in a conversation because people said, well, you're not Japanese. You don't even speak enough of the language to really do a lot here. Why are you so motivated to do this or to do something here? And it went back to a conversation I had at the after party from, um, from, uh, from my event with Taka when I spoke about bad money stories where um, a very cool digital marker, internet marker with digital products, he has some cool product coming out. His name is Masa. And then um, I think we got in a conversation where he was asking me about what I, fe- what I felt would be a good product, a good digital product. That I've experienced in U.S. that he could do here in Japan. To which then I said, "Hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. What's the what's what's a big what's one of what's one of the biggest problems in Japan?" And I was truly just asking because I was curious as to, because I knew of a couple, but I mean, because every country has its own problems, but I was very curious about what was unique to Japan. That's co- going on right now. And they said, "Well, economy is not that great." Okay, great. So you know, solution for that is like, well, then how do we solve that problem? And uh, you know, so we went through back and forth for a little bit, and when we got to what I thought was a big problem, and I'll share a little bit about what I what I was proposing would be a solution for that, was that you know Japan is suffering from a population decline problem. In other words. You know, if you look at it, if you, if you fast forward the pace that Japan is going right now in terms of population growth, it's on a decline. Meaning, if, if it's not addressed over a decade, decade and a half, two decades, whatever the case may be, you know, whatever momentum it's at right now, I mean, when a, when a culture is suffering population decline, that means the culture is literally going extinct. You know, one might not think about that. It's like, oh, okay, but we forget that we, you know, for those of us who live in America, um, it's a very, you know, heterogeneous type of uh, uh, culture. There's a lot of different cultures in there, so we don't think about it. But when you come to a place like Japan or Taiwan or, you know, where they have a single language that they speak, and it's very homogeneous, okay? And if there's a, hom- in a homogeneous society, culture, And the population is on decline. That means that culture has is running the danger of going, what we like to say, going extinct as a culture. And along with that, potentially some of the most beautiful things and aspects about the culture, and I'm not just talking about the systems and what they create in the business, but also the art, the artistry, the artisan approach that they that this culture is so famous for, for all the things will actually potentially go away when if they don't address this problem. So to me, above everything else, above money anxiety, above all these things, that's a huge, huge problem. And so when, I, when we finally got to that part of the conversation, Masa and I just sat there and was like, oh, yeah, that is a big problem. So I said, do you want to know what I think would be a great solution? What if you create a digital product that inspires people to become entrepreneurs for those who are not happy working in a nine-to-five? Or they're burning themselves out. I mean, there is a term here in Japan because of the frequency of it. There's an actual term about about, and that base, basically that basic term means worked yourself to death, and it's literally because based off of salarymen who worked themselves to sheer exhaustion and they literally die at work. Okay, If a culture has a word to describe that, literally just to describe that type of circumstance, you know that it's not an uncommon circumstance. right? So what entrepreneurship will do, one, it'll help raise the average income, household income, from 40000 to whatever it can be. I mean, for those of you who are entrepreneurs, you know the sky is kind of the limit. But how does that impact population growth? Well, one of the reasons why the new generation are avoiding procreation or having children, because as you all know, for those of you who are parents, that it costs money. It costs money to raise a family. You know, the cost of being single, and the, the cost of living from being single, and the cost of living when you're like a family of three or four, is significantly different and as in a new generation if you're all you're thinking about is survival for yourself and just make enough money for yourself why would you even want to think about having a child but the problem with that is if the economy is not supporting that the, the next generation the peace of mind financially to procreate to have families for those who do want to have families, then it becomes this slippery slope, and that's why population is declining. If the government has systems, which I, th- I believe they do, to give incentives, but the incentive still isn't enough to offset, you know, the um, the the cost of living for having kids, then you know that's a problem. You know, I had this discussion last night when I was over in Yokohama with. Um, uh, with, with someone else that I met her name is Misato she's a uh, English coach and she actually is a trainer of coaches here has created an amazing business a really successful business over the last 10 years here uh, I think more than 10 years but about 10 years here here in um, here in Japan I mean she said it herself she goes if I'm so grateful for what it is that I do because had I not then I wouldn't and she just, she's, she's a new mommy. Uh, she wouldn't be able to, you know, be feeling secure, so to speak, with her lifestyle choice of raising a family. But because she has that flexibility of being an entrepreneur, she's able to do that, which supported, continued to support my ideas. Like, you know what? This is probably a big motivation for me as to why I want to be here. Why I want to do that is that what if we can create more entrepreneurs and create more successful entrepreneurs and give and help entrepreneurs here in Japan? Have freedom to be able to create any lifestyle they want. Because I can't believe that all the new generation uh, they don't want to have kids, or they don't want to create families. Right? The average uh, child child uh, pr- the production it, it used to be one point two six per couple. And just around the more recent statistic is 1.1, which is a far cry from what it used to be, which was 1.4. And even for that, it was higher than that. But it has been a decline; it keeps getting lower and lower. When we get to a point where it's less than one kid, so that people are having 0.9 or 0.8 kids, <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> um, then, then that's that's a state of emergency. That's when this becomes a exponential rapid decline. So, what happens is this: is that if you are an entrepreneur, okay. And so, what I'd like for you to be able to take away from this is, when you do things and you're thinking about impact and you think about what it is that you want to do, you know, one of the things that I can see now with my involvement and with my with my new network or my friends that I've met here, my new friends that I met here, is potentially creating a platform that can have an impact on. A, system, a systemic problem that currently exists in the culture in general. It becomes more than about money. It becomes more than just being financially successful. It becomes what it means to make impact. right? And becoming an entrepreneur, for those of you who are entrepreneurs, you see that what kind of flexibility in creating freedom in your life so that you get yourself to a point where you're not even thinking about yourself anymore. You're now thinking about how to systematically serve the planet, serve your community, serve your culture, okay? And for those of you who are my new friends that I met here and you guys are listening in, really take this in and think about it. The responsibility of becoming an entrepreneur, once you have, once you fulfill the responsibility of taking care of yourself, taking care of your loved ones, taking care of your life so that you start putting yourself on a life that you create by design your next bigger responsibility then is how do you then structure your business to take care of the planet? You know, Take care of the home that you live on. And I'm not just talking about your house or your mortgage. I'm talking about the planet. Why do I have this vision of wanting to financially empower a million entrepreneurs on the planet is because Entrepreneurs are the problem solvers of the world, in my opinion, and if we have a million problem solvers, financially successful, not thinking about themselves anymore because they don't have to, and all put their focus on making this world a better place to live, could that not potentially help us even spin the planet the other way and spin it for the better? Now, I don't know literally if we could do that, but it's kind of a nice thought. up so, anyway okay so you know that's that's it i thought i would end early but pretty much i'm gonna be ending right on time i have a couple minutes left so i want to talk about a few things that are coming up um we have a guest coming up uh next week uh our guest next week let me double check right here is our very own jennifer Stanett. uh it's on it's going to be on yeah it's going to be same time, same day, same time, uh, Tuesday at noon. Jennifer Stinette and she's going to be talking to us. She's uh, our go-to social media gal, the one who's been helping us promote these on our social media channels. But she has an amazing story, and I cannot wait for her to get on air and to share it because she's um, she's. Uh, just recently, creating some major wins in her business, and I wanted I wanted to get on the show to sh- share that because not everyone in the show has to be like multimillionaire. Not everybody has the show has to be like have been successful, super successful already. Some people on our show, like Jennifer, is is currently in the process, on the way of being uber successful, and is uh, ha- has already started cre- has already created a six-figure business. So you don't want to miss that one because for those of you who aren't quite there where you want to be yet then you might as well tune in because she's going to have some major gemstones to share, and I can't wait to talk to her. Um, again, if you are listening to us on Spreaker.com, where we found us on Spreaker.com, uh, you can get access to all of our shows and iTunes and everything like that by going to the forward slash radio. Again, I'll put down some links. Uh, depending on my schedule, I don't know how quickly I could get those links up, but uh, i'll I'll put on a link for uh kimanzi so you can check out his page um, i'll also put on a link for the book the automatic millionaire and then um and whatever else I can think of but other than that, if you want to leave a message leave a cha- uh, leave it in the chat i still we still get notified and checked even after the fact that this is not live anymore um, ask questions you know talk about systems and ask questions about systems and everything because that's what we'll do and um our co-host just pinged uh pinged me and said that she can handle it so kudos awesome 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 um actually (laughs) she just said have fun on the show we already had our fun so anyway (laughs) um so that's pretty much it guys thank you for being here thank you for listening in um this was Another live Stop Money Anxiety Now podcast from Japan. How to systematically serve yourself and your business. And hopefully, you guys enjoy the content. Uh, Look for us next week to talk to Jennifer Stinette. Other than that, have an amazing week. Peace.